0: This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On Air.
1: We are living in a time where our future is uncertain, which means youth voice is as important as ever. Kia ora. Join me, Leo, on Operation Rakatahi on ORFM's Youth Zone, 105.4 FM, 1575am or online at oar.org.nz or download the Youth Zone app on Google Play or the Apple App Store. Kia ora and welcome back to Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, um, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks and, yeah, the we're still at level two. It's all still a bit, here's hoping, and it, it doesn't look like it's getting any better, but that's what's happening. But we've got to live with it. Um, So today I'm going to be talking a lot about vaccines and why, like, the history and, like, the previous cases of vaccines can like help us inform the craziness that is going on right now sort of and then i'm going to be talking about about how music and activism can kind of overlap and i've got a example that i'm going to talk about so it's going to be a bit more uh it's going to be a bit less formal i haven't got a complete structure today so bear with me but first off if you missed it yesterday uh, make sure you go to the station website because I was interviewed on Blowing Bubbles and got to interview about me, about the show, about everything in my life, and just go and have a listen because yeah, that's yeah. Go and find some more stuff. So, um, right, to, starting with currently right now we're going we're living in a time where uh, pretty much vaccines are really. Important in our today's uh, in today's society because we're living in a time where we're trying to almost fight a tide of anti-vaxxers in order to say, in order to fight the virus as well. So it's it's all a bit, and there's lots of misinformation out there. And I would say, well, when you look at the statistics, Dunedin is doing really well, and the South is doing really well. On now. Um, vaccination efforts we're the first town in New, Z- in New Zealand to town or city in New Zealand to get 90% COVID vax rates and we're at currently 76% um, double dose so yeah so uh, good mahi for Dunedin but it's not over don't let that mean we slip back but the thing is There's this whole rhetoric at the moment. I'm going to be specifically critiquing anti-vaxxers and some of their stance because there's been lots of anti-vax rhetoric that's not great and we should be debunking and talking about, and there's lots of stuff that isn't being mentioned because I think if we talk about New Zealand anti-vaxxers specifically, they're talking about how lots of the vaccine and lots of the vaccine mandates that have come about are... In their eyes, undemocratic, and I'll get to why they're wrong. Um, but like, there has been lots of mandates all over the place that are. So, they've just the government has just announced that all teachers, nurses, and doctors, etc., have to have vaccines. And future um, mandates could be coming down the line pretty soon, and there could be vaccine passes where you couldn't be able to travel around the country or overseas without a pass proving that you've been vaccinated and lots of businesses could bring in mandates or the government could introduce a law around businesses and workplaces that require you to be vaccinated and so it's it's kind of a chaotic time and I feel like when I read and hear the news about what people are saying or you just even hear people because it's scary how many anti-vaxxers you come across or just people that are talking this rhetoric. And there's this whole talk about it being undemocratic. And personally, well, I don't think it's undemocratic. Yes, they may be. That personal freedom might be removed, but actually giving the personal freedom and, uh, to take the vaccine is a... Pers- is, is in, is trying to restore personal freedoms later down the track because actually at the moment we can't have everything that we want at the moment because we're living in a global pandemic and in order to save people's lives we're going to have to compromise in some way and actually to be honest it's blooming chaotic and the fact that they say it's undemocratic all of these decisions are made by a democratically elected government that is been elected to make these decisions for New Zealand. And also, all of these mandates have been in every party in Parliament has actually agreed to that, agreed to these ones, at least around doctors and nurses and stuff. Even, Even the ACT Party has agreed to it. They didn't originally, but it got amended slightly, and they ended up coming on the tide about it. And no one is talking about that, and there's no mentioned that this is a cross-party consensus around these mandates for um, specifically teachers and doctors. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they all the parties continue to support these things as they come down the track, because actually it's quite a big deal that no one's talking about this. And actually, to be honest... There, it is completely democratic. The government, like I said before, the government is democratically elected to make these things. And if you don't like them, boo hoo, wait till the next election and assert your democratic freedom and right to vote and express that opinion. Right now, well, we're, we've got the government we do, and we can do what we do. And they're going to make those decisions under the provisions that they've been elected for. Pretty, yeah. So, you know. That's kind of what it is and like yes we may not agree with every single, not everyone's going to agree with every single decision a government makes but that's what elections are for like to keep the government accountable and also to put the, a government in that is representative of the views of all of society and, and so yeah uh, enough rambling about that But I'm going to be quickly talking about vaccines around previous vaccines that aren't just COVID because um, vaccines have saved millions of lives over the past few decades and even the last century in some cases because the fact that we haven't had worldwide pandemics in a long time to do with smallpox, polio, Um, measles, mumps or rubella the measles bit is a there have been epidemics around the place but we haven't had a worldwide pandemic like COVID-19 because of these vaccines have stopped those sorts of things happening again like they did in the past and or even to the same extent I would, you could even say influenza, yes we still get cases all the time, people die every year from the flu but actually there's a vaccine for it and we actually get less cases of it every year because of the vaccine. And we're not every year getting 19, what happened in 1919 every single year where thousands and millions of people die every year because of that, vac- because of that um, virus. So like, yeah. So, and I'm not really going to talk too much about the influenza vaccine because we kind of haven't got to a place where it's, Completely mitigated, and actually, it's it's a whole another subcategory because also you have to get a vaccine every year because it evolves and it changes and mutates. So, yeah. So, starting off with smallpox, it's probably the earliest dating vaccine that I'm going to talk about because the smallpox vaccine, pretty, much, it actually helped eradicate the smallpox virus. And it was first introduced in 1796. And considering when you look at case numbers, it took a while for that vaccine to work, but it did work, and it ended up being eradicated. And it was considered one of the most uh, deadly, uh, deadly virus, uh, deadly diseases. This, was, this is a disease, one of the most deadliest diseases ever known in human history so and the fact that we were able to eradicate it due to research and vaccines is a good indication that if we get a chance for it to the covid vaccine to work and actually do our part and keep social distancing we could have another example like smallpox where it's eradicated which i highly doubt because the smallpox disease doesn't mutate in the same way because it's a disease, not a vaccine uh, Not a. it's a disease, not a uh, virus and so the problem with COVID it, it mutates and we've got uh, similar to uh, influenza, how it mutates and you're going to have to keep following it up years to come so yeah, so it's quite a scary thing to think about that The fact is, at the height of the smallpox pandemic, three out of ten people who contracted the disease died, which is uh, quite a lot of people. And it spread all over the world, and it was pretty much a massive contributing factor of the reason why it spread so much was because of world exploration and colonization is probably a very simplistic reason because it was the first time the world had been interconnected in that way and people were going all over the world whereas when it came out of Europe Europeans did die from it but at the same time they had lived with it for quite a while at that point and so there was a level of known about it it wasn't completely and there was a level there wasn't immunity in that way but when it got spread on the ships all around the world Uh, you ended up with people who had who hadn't uh, peoples all over the world indigenous peoples who had never come in contact with smallpox ever and it, it also on those ships it affected people because people were in close proximity to each other and so even if they did have a level of immunity from back from Europe they also contracted it and they weren't able to escape from it in that way and it was almost like a petri dish, the ships almost acted like a petri dish for smallpox and that's why here in Dunedin you hear about all of these um, quarantine facilities like Quarantine Island or the lake house down by Logan Park where it was used for um, containing envir- and Go Island as well the Go Island one is being, was demolished though out in the harbour but these places were designed for people who come off the ships, or people who had contracted it here in New Zealand, to be put there to either recover or die, pretty much, because they wanted to contain the spread. And um, these were quite separated from the cities, from the city, and well, islands in the middle of the harbour is a pretty good one. You don't really come across very many people. You'd have to swim quite far, and at that time. Lots of the CBD and through to the uni and Polytech weren't weren't reclaimed land like they are now because over at Logan Park there was a big lake where Logan Park Field is and that's why the lake house was quite geographically separated and it was quite marshy, quite muddy, lake, inlet-y sort of thing. And so that was also another geographically separated thing. So keeping it out was quite a big thing and you're also seeing that to a similar extent today where we've got managed isolation facilities yes it's very different to what they were but people were pretty much lock and keyed away and kept separate from main society to mitigate the spread and that's the sort of thing that is carried through to today keeping people separated and quarantined is something that works and maybe going off a bit topic there but it is a valid point around quarantining and this vaccine for smallpox has managed to; it has been eradicated for decades. And th- there is one scary thing about smallpox: is there is a chance it could come back if, because there are two samples that are known of the vi- of the of the disease still left in the w- world, and it's publicly known knowledge that they have samples of it. In freezers, one in the United States, and one in Russia, and that's only that's what we know of. So, like, everyone's like, lots of people are worried about nuclear war, but they've also got smallpox that they could let out if they wanted to, too. So, if there was ever a Cold War two so yeah. And the other thing about the smallpox vaccine that is quite scary that could change the face of the earth is no person has been. Immunised for smallpox since the early 70s and so i think it's 1971 was the last reported vaccine of smallpox and in in the western world because well it got eradicated there was no point having to administer this anymore so they stopped administering it so you've got 50 years worth of people so it would be people under the age of 50 that would be most affected by a smallpox outbreak if it ever did occur again because it's only people over the age of 50 that are vaccinated for it so that's a scary thing to think about that and it's it's quite an anomaly compared to lots of diseases or viruses because usually uh, diseases and viruses predominantly there are exceptions like meningococcal disease, that most they mostly affect older people, people who are elderly, and and people who are immunocompromised and can't be, um, who who have got lesser immunity but smallpox is a is a rarity because most people over the age of 50 are vaccinated for smallpox whether people know about it or not like yeah so the other one i'm going to talk about is there's a couple more that i'll talk about but i won't talk into too much detail but there's also the polio vaccine um which there are wild cases of it all over the world. It was declared eradicated in 2019, but there have been there was a weird spike in 2020 that we're not that they but they've still considered it eradicated, but there's weird wild cases, but and there is a vaccine for it that it was prolifically used right up until the mid to late 2000s. It's they still use it and it's kind of folded into in most societies and I think it is in New Zealand it's folded into like the ones you get as a baby so um yeah and the last case of polio reported in New Zealand was in 1977 so and also New Zealand is quite there there were quite a lot of cases of that through into the later into the 70s and into the 8 uh into the 80s and uh, with polio because New Zealand was quite easily able to fend it off. Because we're geographically separated, it was easier to... So places like the US, their last reported case was 1979, a couple of years after New Zealand, and other places like that that are a whole lot more geographically connected to the rest of the world than New Zealanders had to face polio a lot longer. Um, Also, the MMR vaccine is probably... It's not really a historical vaccine, well it is but it isn't, but it's actually a big deal because MMR for those who don't know, it stands for measles, mumps and rubella and that's a combined vaccine, they used to be three separate vaccines and they managed to work out one vaccine that you can take that does it all and you take this usually when you're about 11 years old, you can catch up on this if you do miss it at 11 etc etc etc. Um, where this is not, when I say this isn't completely historic, is because people are still getting measles to this day. And it did. We were dipped in cases into the mid two in the mid two thousands to early two thousand tens. The cases did drop off, and there was signs of it being possibly eradicated. But in the last five, six, seven years, we've had a massive spike and. Especially in the in in the Pacific, we've had lots and lots of measles outbreaks, and there was a measles outbreak in New Zealand in 2019 and 2018 and 2019. So, and that was a direct result of people getting complacent with the MMR vaccine and not taking it, and actually, and the problem. And the problem is with the MMR with or any vaccine in general is. The problem with if you don't take them, you're not just compromising yourself and others, because it means you have a chance of getting it. The person, the people that it affects the most, are people who can't get vaccinated, who are known as immunocompromised people, because if they they can't take it due to I many due to many health conditions um, that can range big and small, A to Z, and and they can potentially not survive taking it because they've got no immunity in there and that's just no immunity to anything and that's just how or that's an arbitrary statement of mine, sorry but they don't immunocompromised people can't take vaccines because it's dangerous for them to take it so it's actually risking those people's lives more than one, and so or other people with underlying health conditions that could uh, negatively affect them, like people suffering going through cancer treatment, or people with um, heart or lung issues, where they can't fight off these as well because their bodies are already preoccupied with something else, or they're pumped full of chemo and they're also fighting the chemo off as well. That's helping fight the. Ke- so, like, you've got all of these things that vaccines are there to protect and also you're getting it was a big deal a couple of years ago where lots of babies were dying of measles and that is not a good thing and we have a way to stop that but you know and yeah so yeah and also lastly I'll quickly mention the HPV vaccine which is the human papillomavirus which um is widely available when i was going through school and people older than me used to get it through schools when people when it was usually just girls who got it when they were bringing it out and it's just and because um hpv is a it's almost a it opens your body up to having a higher risk of contracting cancer due to uh, obtaining this virus so it's actually a really big deal about taking it, uh, taking this vaccine because it protects you and others. And yeah. And so when I was talking about when I was going through school, only girls got it. It's now been changed in the last couple of years that they have opened it up to boys as researchers go more into it and found that it works. And they've opened out, they've rolled out the vaccine. It was quite a slow vaccine rollout, but um, you can go to your doctor now, male or female, or gender diverse, doesn't matter what gender you are, you can go and get the HPV vaccine. So definitely recommend it to boys out there or people who are assigned male at birth who wouldn't have got it through school like our um, our female peers just because we went to school. So, you know, go and check that out because actually it's a really big deal. Um, and you can just go to your doctor for that. And... Um, I'm going to leave you guys on one fact before the song breaks that 2.2 to 3 million lives are saved every year Um, the World Health Organization um, estimates 2 to 3 million lives are saved every year from vaccines Um, and that is that, that stat came out before COVID and that was a stat from 2019 so that's not even including COVID and how many people you're protecting by getting the COVID vaccine. So two to three million years pre-COVID, a, a, a two to three million lives pre-COVID are saved every year before vac- from vaccines. They haven't released an estimate around the total with COVID, but I'm sure it's millions more. So check that out because actually read some more into this because I can only share so much information on the show and I've got other things I'm going to talk to you guys about, but look into it and actually just get vaccinated because there's a better chance for everything to go back to normal. If we get vaccinated and less people die and less cases get around and closer to ending this pandemic. So I'm going to play a couple of songs from the Kiwi music CD and then I'll be back. Um, yeah. Operation Rakatahi with Leo. So, um, if you're just joining me now... There we go. Sorry, just sorting out the sound there. Uh, So, if you're just joining me now, I was talking about vaccines and the history of them and how they're informing today's COVID vaccine and all that. So, make sure you go to the USONAP app or wherever you get your podcasts to go and listen to that and find out some more. So, yeah. So... Now I'm going to be talking about, I haven't, can't really summarise this very well, but I'll think of something when I write the podcast title. But I'm going to be talking about why diversity matters, but also I'm going to be using music and activism as a, well, music as a forefront for activism and how that happens in the world. So, yeah. So I think to start off, Diversity is a really big thing, and it can be, it's quite a wide-ranging term, and when I'm talking about diversity, I'm not just meaning uh, black, white, brown, uh, or any skin color under the sun, because that's not just what diversity includes. I'm also talking about gender, and sexual orientation, and um you could also include uh, disability into um, diversity and even people's worldviews and where they've grown up and what environments they've grown up in, like what class they've grown up in, what parts of the world they've grown up in, they, what even which neighborhood they grew up in, like, and what resources they had access to. So, like, everyone's worldview that isn't But that isn't just a Eurocentric, heteronormative, cisgendered, male-dominated world is anything that's outside of that because that's what the world is dominated with. Like, in theory, it would be a great world that we could all live in where everyone is equal and even though there's lots of efforts to try and move towards that, we aren't there yet. And so, and the world is very... Uh, Eurocentric, heteronormative, cisgendered, male-dominated, and not to say any of those is a bad thing, but when you've got that is the only centrist idea, and that is the only centrist and dominated walk of life in representing in the world, that that is not particularly a good thing because you need all walks of life and all in all viewpoints contributing into everyday life, and it's not just in music, not just in TV, not just, it's also in workplaces, in schools, it's in everywhere, and that's just what the world is, and we need to move, it would be great to move towards it, and the the reason why diversity is important, it also gives people hope and not feel othered in the world, and it shows that it, it 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 generally moves society in towards a greater acceptance of difference and and to the point and we want i ideally it would be great to live in a world where people who aren't uh the normative are not seen as different, but that's the world we lived in live in, and we want to move towards a world where everyone is just equal and not other and so but also that's very um fantasy driven in its belief but we can also work towards something that is way more progressive and way more inclusive and so i hope that made sense but i'm going to be talking about some music that I'm going to be specifically talking about jo Ma- Janelle Monet and her work. And this is probably, I would, there's lots of different artists and lots of different people outside of the music industry who are doing sorts of things to bring diversity to the forefront. But I'm going to focus on Janelle Monet for this because actually, and I'm going to play a couple of her songs, one of her songs and maybe another one, to kind of emphasize what she is doing in her activism through her music. And so recently I've been listening, because she's kind of become one of my favorite artists because of her work through this. And she just, she's, she sings and she writes her music from her perspective of being a black queer woman in the United States living through it and bringing her perspective and her viewpoint to her music and showing it around. And she doesn't, she's not the biggest name in the music industry, but she's, she's quite well known, but like, I wish that there was more recognition towards her. And she's also an actress and she, she uses her viewpoint in the world. And she almost talks about, and she talks about, She talks about her music. uh, She talks about her music. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? She talks about her music archetype, not her archetype. Her music identity, um, or or character, more or less, is as a android, as like a robot, and in living in a futuristic science fiction. And the term she uses is um, queer Afrofuturism, which is quite a complex term that pretty much means it's a future where we're all living. That's very her world that she makes with her music is very queer and very um, African American centrist as as a flip on its head from our current reality of. Eurocentric, heteronormative, cisgendered, male-dominated world. So it's quite a complex thing. And specifically, her um, album "Dirty Computer" was. I'm I'm not trying to sell. I'm selling it, but I'm not. I I'm not representing her in any way. But she's. I'm expressing my love for her work. Um, but she talks. Her album is kind of. Using that uh, using that queer Afrofuturism um, viewpoint of hers that she wants to bring to the forefront, and she wrote this album for anyone that feels other in any way. And so, but she writes from her perspective. But she also you can also listen into her lyrics that aren't that's her perspective and that's her experience. And she has all of this activist. Qualities to her and her work, and so to emphasise what she does, I, mean, I was going to pick a song from Dirty Computer, but for four pm time slot, some of the songs are quite explicit and not appropriate for this time slot. But I would definitely recommend to go listen to it in your own time. But I'm going to re- I'm, this is I'm going to talk about her newest one that isn't explicit, but it's. She's just released, and this is not her futuristic sort of work. This is actually one of her activist pieces that are about now. And she wrote this song called Say Her Name, and she did a collaboration with lots of different other um, African-American women artists who she pretty much got them all together, and they're singing about all of the Black Lives Matter issues going on, and the, when when hence the name part of it the whole song is all of them coming together and say and singing or saying um, all of the black uh, women who got shot in the um, police brutality shootings that have been happening for decades because often when even when you're talking about the black lives matter protests it's quite Male centric, and so you always hear your George Floyds and others coming to the forefront when you talk about people who have been shot by police. And there's been not as much talking about the women who have been um, targeted. And this song is all of the women, and they sing about and they sing all of their names. And it is, I'm not going to play the entire song because it is 17 minutes, but I'll play the first few one, first few verses. And so this is a collaboration with so many different artists. And artists that are featured on this include Beyonce, uh, Alicia Keys, Zoe Kravitz, Kravitz, and um, trans actor MJ Rodriguez, um, among many others. But I would definitely tell you guys to listen to it because it's talking about all of the issues that are happening in the world well not all of the issues this is particularly about the black Lives matter protests and it's a real forefront of how it's a real showing of how activism and music kind of can be parallel and it's it's almost it's so activist it's almost just yeah it's just beautifully put together in it almost is the voice of today and janelle monet specifically is i would say the voice of today and she doesn't i wish she gets more recognition and was more popular because actually she's talking about all of these issues that are huge in society today and this is just a really good example of that and i'm gonna just play a couple of minutes of it for you guys because yeah uh button there
2: Natasha Walton, say a name. Natasha Walton, say a name. Natasha Walton, say a name. Say a name, won't you say a name? A Tatiana Jefferson, a Tatiana Jefferson, a Tatiana Jefferson. Say a name, say a name, say a name, say a name. say her name Keisha Michael say her name Keisha Michael say her name Keisha Michael won't you say her name
1: say her name and yeah so like and that was about that was seven minutes of it and i took it right through when it took it through i played it right through to janelle's verse um there but um so the last voice there was janelle's voice um so like it it really just kind of is a well you guys heard it it's a really big song that is really important and i didn't even show there was still 10 i had there's still 10 more minutes of the song that i haven't i didn't play um but that and the fact that that was seven minutes already it didn't really feel like seven minutes to be honest like like it doesn't when i listen to it at least it doesn't feel that long like it's quite a powerful thing and when i listened to the whole thing when it came out i thought oh that was five six minutes but it was 17 minutes and that kind of shocked me that there isn't much in order of the making of the song but there is a lot in the words and the message behind it well there isn't even a lot in the words either it's just saying their names but like there's quite something powerful that it doesn't because on paper if you wrote down that that would feel like that would be a really really long song but there's just something quite beautiful about how when activism and music comes together and that was also it, that wasn't because that also wasn't like a mainstream pop song that was intended for what it was it was exactly what it got the message across and that was its main aim that, the, the song is not a commercial you know, that's a, that song was for a fundraising event for the Black Lives Matter protest it's not anything that they expect to chart or anything it's not designed for radio which also makes it even more powerful it almost felt like you're listening to a protest which is it's quite a beautiful thing and it really reinforces everything that um, is happening and that's only just one part of what is going on in the world that's just the Black Lives Matter protests and even Janelle Monae sings about a whole lot of array of things but it's showing how diversity and, and representation and acknowledgement and can go a long way because these things are these sorts of things and I'm not just talking about the song now I'm talking about the big global scale that recognizing these things in diversity in all of its walks and all of its shapes that it ensues it brings society forward in a way that otherwise wouldn't have and that's the crazy thing that the, the, the there's such a tidal shift that's going on at the moment and it already has for decades before in in different pockets about different things but there's something about right now that is quite a thing, and it also. I think I should mention, especially in a time of a global pandemic, using music as activism is also a really good thing, especially in a time where, as much as I am of the personal belief that put the personal one of the most important democratic rights is the right to protest, and. Especially, when we're living in a time where protesting isn't exactly safe because, um, well, where this is being released in the United States is due to ble- pol- this police brutality. So, there is already not safe. But also, protest in the time of a global pandemic is not safe because protests. If you look at a protest, it's hardly ever social distance. It's people banding together and social distancing at a protest is not really a great thing. It's not something that's even, I don't know how achievable that is. And using music as a way to mitigate that and also work around the fact that we're living through a pandemic is also a way to um, bring everyone together. And it doesn't come across as anything more than what it is it's just a it's a protest it's not even it's using music as a forefront but it's not really music as its focus its focus is a protest and it's quite it gets the message across and that's what i wanted to talk about today because it's quite a big thing and i wanted this not to go under the rug because i feel like especially with lots of stuff like this it doesn't get acknowledged because it's not commercial for radio in that way i wanted it to be talked about i want it to be on on the air in some way and it's something that should be talked about and it should be a song that's played and like i would like some sort of version of it to be played on mainstream radio stations because even if it was a five minute, except that's a five, seven minute radio edit that could be passed around. Like it's quite a, or even the whole 17 minutes, I would be fine with too. But like, you know. So that's all we have time for today on the show. So thank you all for listening. I'll be back in a couple more weeks. But um, as I include in every show, if you need support from a trained counsellor, contact 1737. Um, it's a 24 hour service you can text or call it it's pretty easy Uh, yeah so also make sure you download the youth zone app where you can catch up on podcasts Uh, we'll watch exclusive content and yeah you get all the youth zone stuff and make sure you get vaccinated pretty much get both shots we want to be up well above the 90% threshold like we need to get as of the eligible population because we don't want this to go on for too much longer. Because we'll do what we have to as long as it's happening, but we don't really want to have to do it for too long if we don't have to. So, and this is a way in order for it to not happen. So, make sure you get vaccinated because it's actually a really big deal. And yeah. So, thank you all for listening. So, kā kite anō.
0: Bye.